she'll edit herself or she won't. <laughs> this is uh, this is episode number six of Music and Weights podcast, where we discuss the similarities between music, weights, and what it takes to become great, uh, and the similarities between disciplines. We got Leah Crocetto. Hey. And Ernie. Ernie, you want to bark? He's sleeping. No, he's done. He's lazy. Um, he's his own boss. So, you're amazing on stage. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, and I think that one of the, I think where we should start is, what do you think make, makes you stand out? And when you were, say, starting out and doing yap auditions, etc., what do you think was the thing that made people, people behind the table say, definitely yes, we have to hire her? And do you think that that same thing was also, do you think that that quality also made people be like, no, we don't know what to do with her? Oh, for sure. So, when I auditioned for Marilyn, first of all, I was in the Marilyn Opera program in 2008, and then an Adler fellow. But when I auditioned for Marilyn, I had nothing on my resume. I had like a five-year gap where I was living life, and I was waiting tables, and I was building construction, and I was, you know, taking care of a sick father and my younger sisters, and helping my mom and, you know, living life and doing things to survive and still making music, not necessarily opera, but I was singing as much as I could. So when I auditioned, I, I, I pulled out a bunch of arias, um, like the only ones that I had memorized, basically. Which were? Which were Chilo Sonio di Doretta from La Rondine, Puccini, Dove Sono from Marriage of Figaro, uh, Ain't It a Pretty Night from Susanna, Aki Fuse from Magic Flute, <laughs> and Steal Me Sweet Thief yeah. from The Old Maid and the Thief. Uh, and I feel like there's another one in there too. Oh, I don't remember. I probably sang a show tune for my audition because I used to do that as mm -hmm. well. Um, oh, I think I sang, maybe sang How Glory Goes by, from Floyd Collins. The Ultimate Collins? But. Um, yeah, so I sang, I sang those and I just remember Cher Greenwald throwing her pencil down on the table and going, who are you and where have you been? And she looked at my resume and she's like, you have nothing on your resume. What have you been doing? It, so that answers that question. It was the voice first. It was a raw talent that sort of just was a gift from God, is a gift from God. I've always had a natural ability to sing. Um, I've also always had a natural ability to feel. I express myself too deeply sometimes, and I feel things very deeply, and I'm not afraid to share my emotions with an audience or friends or um, people in general, you know? Um, but that has gone in a cycle. I've also been very guarded in my life and cold and cut off because of a lot of business crap that makes you be guarded. So I think when I started, it was the voice. When I did the Marilla program, what made them take me as an Adler was also the singing voice, but also I was chewing scenery. I was not afraid to take risks and act a role and um, be a stage animal because that's what we have to be in this industry to set ourselves apart. 
Um, I think of some amazing colleagues doing the same thing. Amanda Majeski just opened Katya Kovanova at the at Covent Garden, I think, last night. She's one of the best singing actresses I've seen. I love her work, um, and she's gotten rave reviews about it already. So um, it's it's important to feel and share your feelings through movement and through emotion because opera is truly it exists truly because of heightened emotions it becomes the emotion is so great that you have to sing about it mm -hmm. that's why there are no words yeah. so or you, no speaking words rather you if i'm remembering correctly you did a bfa more or less a bfa um no i have a uh, just a bachelor's not in fine arts oh, okay. i have a, a degree in um Stagecraft, essentially, so okay. acting. Right. And what um, are those degrees where they're like, and now you're going to spend a whole semester on lighting? Yes. Yeah. yeah which I can rewire uh, an electrical outlet yeah. or build a, a plug. Anything yeah. you want, I can do. But I can hang lights. <laughs> so, so what? I, I guess what I see is that you and you have a master's. No. So you That's kind perfect. of missed this period of the young singer's development, being exposed to this period of a young singer's development where we're told that full closure is above all else, yeah. that the most important thing is to be, for your folds to be closed and your residence to be going and your breath to be going. And beyond that, that's really all they care about. Like that's anything and beyond that. And sometimes they don't care about that though. Right. I, I have said, I, I have sat in so many voice lessons and I've given so many voice lessons to students who have no idea how to breathe. Right. It's crazy to me that te undergraduate teachers are not teaching breath first. Right. Blows my mind. That's the first thing I learned was yeah. how to breathe. Yeah. You know, I mean, oh, hello, sirens. Um, I, I mean, as a kid, I was also watching every theatrical performance on PBS. That yeah. I, could talk my dad into watching me <laughs> because you know dad gets home from work it's his tv that's what he wants to do right he wants <laughs> exactly. to watch broadway <laughs> but he would always let me which was great and we enjoyed that but um so i was always imitating those people as well so yes i did miss all of that but i but i also i found my teacher who's still my teacher now arnold rawls he's a fantastic tenor, one of the most underrated tenors, I think. He just did Trovadori with you. With me! Yeah. Yes! <laughs> it was so fun. It was so fun to work with him. Also, no pressure. You had right. a teacher looking down yeah. your throat while you're singing. And <laughs> yeah. It was just weird. Anyway, it was great. And I, the, our very first lesson, he had this statue. I forget what he had a silly name for it. But he used to walk up and, you know, he's very hands-off because you know, God forbid you touch a female in her abdomen. So he had a, st <laughs> maybe cut that? I don't know. No. He had a statue that he would come up and he would poke into our stomachs and he would be like, okay, resist that. This is what you want to, yeah. when you breathe, you want to move that. And yeah. I was moving that. So. Right. And it, 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 it was tricky. I didn't get the breathing right away because I was like, how? But my lungs are breathing, not my stomach. Because yeah. you've got a natural instrument wow. that is probably already like kind of on the loud side. Yeah. So people are, for you, it's yeah. already operatic. But to actually like develop an operatic technique, you can't just rely on the natural thing. No, you have you to sure learn, can't. Have to learn what breath feels like. And if you just rely on the natural 
instrument, you have a very short career. Or if you want to sing without a microphone. Without a microphone, yeah. exactly. Um, so it sounds like from, from the get-go, the thing that was like so electrifying about you was that you were not like a MIDI soprano, you know, like those like electronic instruments. Like you're not like a robot soprano, right. just with the folds deducted and singing. No auto like, tune here. You're, you are like <laughs> it is. It's it's been acting like acting and singing are to you inseparable. Yes. Right, and that's I think. I wouldn't say acting. I would say feeling. That's what I mean when I say acting. For me, acting is just like it's just intention. Yeah. And, and talking what, and, and listening other, for me. Mistakes. Right. My one of my mentors, who's still my mentor now, who I'm gonna actually be seeing next weekend I'm doing a concert where I grew up doing um, musical theater actually they're having me back to do my own solo show it's so (laughs) surreal anyway I'm seeing him and he was my acting teacher all my years at Siena Heights University and he the basic most incredible lesson I ever learned from him was talking and listening that's all Mm -hmm. and if you look at your score as an opera singer, like a script, that means you have to translate every role, kids. Yeah. And you got to know the punctuation. You got to know the punctuation. You've got to know the grammar, and you've got to know what everyone is saying about you in order to inform your character. Yeah. So, type it out. Write it down. I remember learning a scene in the Sarasota Opera Program as a young artist. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, I did the Sarasota Program. Um, and they, that program is run, uh, not like the opera world, which, Mm. which I think was really good training for me. It, it made me look at things differently. Um, but also I was so scared after one rehearsal, not to know what, what everyone was saying that I went home and I typed out the entirety of act two of Marriage of Figaro in English vernacular after translating it from the Italian and everybody's role. And then I handed it to my castmates and I said, here you go, here's our script. Yeah. And they were like, what are you doing? Right. And I said, well, they got it, mad at me for not knowing it, what one word right. meant. So. It makes it so much more fun though. Like I know. when you just, yeah. because that, it, it like, it frees you up. This is a good example of, I like looking for, for this applied to everywhere, this idea of like discipline equals freedom. Yeah. It's like, okay, well, so if you just have the discipline to, like do that unsexy work that like you know it's and it's not gonna take you that long. It'll take like two hours, right? Um, Depending on how on how good you get, how big the role is. Two roll two hours to just probably translate your part. Yeah. Okay. But then you do the others too, and I'm not talking Nico Castell. I'm talking using your dictionary, dictionary, conjugating shit so that you know. That's a longer project. It is, because Nico Castell is not always. It's right. It's word for word. It's workable. It's workable, but it's not emotional. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times there is not one word that translate, translates the emotion of Italian. Right. There just isn't. So you have to find it. Right. And you have to say, okay, what five words right, exactly. in English mean right. one phrase exactly. in Italian? So you know? it's joy slash blank slash blank slash blank. Yes. Yeah. But so I think that it's really, like, what I'm, what I'm piecing together is that you by missing out on what I like to think of as like the yap hierarchy slash like conditioning that goes along with Mm -hmm. it. And I think, uh, it's kind of, I think a lot of singers who go through there, myself included for a time, get this kind of like miss, uh, misplaced values about what makes you an important or usable stage person. Right. I think that by, by skipping that and like getting 
real world experience and exploring other avenues of singing, it made you like a way more valuable long-term singer. Thank you. I would agree. I think, uh, yeah, I, I feel like, so one of the things I get asked a lot is what, what do you consider your fuck? Are you Leah Crocetto, right. opera singer, lyric soprano, spinto, blah, yeah. blah, blah. And I say, no, I'm a singer. I don't call myself an opera singer because it just so happens that my next two concerts, the first one's pop music and the second one's musical theater. So I'm a singer. I'm an interpreter of someone else's compositions. I've never written a song. Maybe I've written a melody, but I'm not a composer. Right. I'm an interpreter of someone else's compositions. Right. And I think, and I think a lot of my, um, well, I think a lot of my colleagues are. I don't know if there's a fear about going into other worlds oh. and, and dropping your soft palette for five minutes. I think there's a huge. Uh, there's definitely a big fear. And, and I don't think that this is like really anything that comes from like, actually like comes from people behind the table so much as it is this um, kind of sense that you get as a young singer coming up through the, like through the world of yaps, the yap ladder, mm-hmm. that if you ever let it be known that you have deviated even slightly from the straight and narrow opera path that you will be blacklisted or that people who make casting decisions that find out that you released a pop album or that you, you know, did a cabaret show, something like that, that all of a mm-hmm. sudden you will become, well, he's not an opera singer anymore. Can't have him. Um. Which I don't think is true, but I think it's this really interesting thing where like, I'm, I'm trying to figure out where, where did we ever get that from? Yeah. I think there's a fear for sure. I think singers in general have a fear of, of deviating from the path. Everyone, when I, when I do master classes or residencies at universities or work with younger singers, they always ask me, well, how did you do it? How did you get to where you are? And stop it. And I always say, my path is not your path. There's not one path. There's not go to conservatory, take voice lessons, audition for a young artist program, get a manager, sing at the Met. That's not how it works. There is a path that curves around and it might go back to the beginning and restart again. It just, it's, it's never ending and never changing, which is the blessing and the curse of our industry. And so I feel like you can't go into this business and be afraid and be successful. What does it mean to you to make a choice? esoteric term but if uh if you were to explain that to a young singer somebody like in conservatory and they're like i just i don't know what it means to like say sing this standard rap aria and make a choice with it how would you explain that to them making a choice is for me it goes back to emotion and it goes back to how there's a slight little bit of Leah, the soprano, the girl, the woman, the, you know, woman who grew up in Adrian, Michigan, in the country, in every role I sing. So the choice to bring, to let myself be seen in a role is a choice. So I would say, Caroline, you're singing Va from Verter today. 
make a choice with it. What are you going to bring to this role? What are you going to bring to this aria right now? Right. And then you would think, you would think about it for a minute and then you would do it and you would make the choice. The choice would be, what do the words mean to you? What, what do you bring to the role that nobody else brings to the role? How does the role make you feel? How does your character feel in this moment? Yeah. And now how can you take all of that from inside of your head and make and sure make, that I get it? And also, right. what is the music saying underneath you? Yeah. Because oh, yeah. you can say, like, let, for example, like the words in Ba, you could say, this is disdain. Mm-hmm. This is complete disdain. But you listen but you to the music and, it and it's not... You can make that choice. It's a choice. It's just mm-hmm. not the most supported choice for... And, if, and maybe there's some strength in making that choice. Maybe there's some That's strength the in, ignoring, in ignoring what's happening yeah. underneath you. Yeah. I just coached a mezzo on that song. That's why I brought it up. Yeah. <laughs> because she was making the disdain choice. Right. And it was very in a box and one dimensional. Yeah. But that's also one of my favorite arias yeah. of all time. Actually, my top two favorite, no, three favorite arias. None of them are soprano arias. Two what of are them are mezzo arias <laughs> and one's a tenor aria. Whoa. I know, right? <laughs> what was the baritones? Uh, we have some of the most amazing... Wait, hold on. What are those pieces? What are they? Uh, Va and Moqueur from yeah. um, Verter oh. and Sanson. And those are my two favorite arias. I just love them. And the third is Eluce van Stelle from Tosca. Yeah. Good favorites. I know, right? <laughs> yeah, good favorites. Oh, wait. Who's your, who's your uh, Cabardossi of choice? Dead or alive? Oh. Damn. That's a loaded question, man. I've Who? sung Cabo- I've sung Tosca. So let's go. Let's go. Uh, let's go with that. Loved them all. Lo- oh, everyone's good. Uh, someone I'd love, love to have sung um, Tosca with, would have been. Um, I would have loved to do it with Domingo for obvious oh. reasons because yeah. just because I believe that he approaches roles like I do. Uh huh. He's not He's, afraid, and he just goes for it yeah. dramatically. Yeah. It's just mind-blowing. Um, also... You could probably talk him into it. I probably could. <laughs> <laughs> Although, Maestro, how many more B-flats please, do you have? Please, Maestro, just one more Tosca. <laughs> oh, that's so fun. Um, that's fun to think How about. long until he does Scarpia? Oh, yes. <laughs> Edit it out. <laughs> oh, I'm, no, I'll say it. My, Placido, I think you are amazing, and I would love to see your Scarpia. I am also a believer in Fockless. I'm Fock fluid. Yeah. yeah, I just heard it. I heard, we just heard a teacher say that the, actually a singer say that some of the best voices, and this actually comes back to you, are voices that are completely Fockless. Yeah. Voices that you can just as easily hear sing Pure Delige as you can hear sing Charlotte. Yeah. Like, that is, this, that is, a strength that a singer has that is it makes it unique and it mm-hmm. makes it some it makes some people hate the voice yeah. but it and it makes a voice sometimes div- divisive but it also means more excitement yeah. and more yeah choices available. Jonas Kaufman. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that's why I want to sing Tosca with God. Jonas. Call me. <laughs> Jonas, I was I was I was at the performance. I've seen him live twice. I was at the Faust where um, Wendy White fell through the thing, 
That was it. Was so bizarre. Tragic. Yeah. Long. Seriously. I love her. And and it, it, uh, my my friend uh, Joe and I were down like way in the orchestra right or house right, like right up next to the orchestra, and we just heard this clamoring, and we were like, "What was that?" Because those metal scaffoldings. And then uh, Jonas Kaufman goes, "I'm so sorry. We have to stop the show." Holds out his hand. Please stop the show. And the curtain just goes, and the whole audience just is like. Just erupts in sound, and the stage manager lady comes out, and she's like, "There will be an unscheduled forty-minute intermission," and that was that. that Holy, yeah, it Moses. was really intense. And Renee Papa, oh my god, just I know, I was in heaven. Amazing. I was in yeah. heaven. But for me, I one of before I was singing professionally. Um, well, actually, right before I went to Marilla, mm-hmm. I saw Jonas do um, Manon at Chicago Lyric because I was living in Chicago at the time. And it was my sister Jessica's first opera. I took her to see it. And we were sobbing yeah. in our seats. And he was just amazing. And he was sick. He, there was an announcement made, and we were like, please don't cancel, please don't cancel. <laughs> and he didn't. And he sang. Oh, when he came in at the beginning of Afouye, it was like butter. Yeah. Perfection. Just being rubbed all over my face. That <laughs> <and my laughs> was amazing. So what do you have you ever had a, a sort of situation like like he has where you get known for a certain sound and then you kind of reach a breaking point where it's like I can't continue to sing this sound and I know that my real sound is this? Yes. I have absolutely no had that happen. Really? Yeah. I just had this image of you just like coming out of the womb like sounding like Tosca. Thank you. <laughs> Um, but no, I, in 2008, I had the ability to fake my way through a float to make everyone think that I was really singing Mm -hmm. when I was crooning like the tiniest little fiato sound you could ever imagine on a high B flat. And I've never been able to do it on a C. A high, a high C is always going to be loud in my voice. I could sing a dolce, but it's still gonna be fucking loud. What was yeah. the note at the end of Cesar Calais? That was a D. Oh, right? that was a D. Jesus, God, it's pretty loud. That was the last. <laughs> no, loud doesn't. It's loud. not loud. It's and it like was a, like mostly right in your face. It's like an <laughs> elemental. It's like it's like it hurt my eyes, but it was also it like, was like around my head <gasps> and like yeah, right, exactly. It, it was, it was awesome. It was awesome. In your face, too. Like, yeah, basically. Yeah, this was, you were, like, up there, and I was, if like, right in front of you. If you would have been pushed back from the face. <laughs> Man. Um, so you couldn't float, can't, couldn't float a high C? No, couldn't. never been able to. B, B flat, for sure. So, as a singer, the ultimate goal is to not have a break at all in your voice. You want your low voice to match your middle, to match your high, to match your stratosphere. Yeah. And now mine does. What changed? Um, I got older. Um, I still can float, but it's just not the fake float that I used to do. Um, which is which is why people co- compared me to Caballé when I first started. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't have that ability anymore. So I've been round and round with uh, my very first Aida was in San Francisco and and is that the one we saw? I think we may have been you, there for you it. Saw it. Yeah. yeah. That was a hard time for me because I was going through a growth spurt in my voice in that moment. And imagine your voice changing and you're singing the most iconic role in the soprano repertoire. Yeah. 
Was it changing towards... On the stage that Leontine Price, the greatest Aida of our time, made her first Aida on. Oh, shit. Yeah. Okay, so was it changing more towards a towards something that would favor Aida, or was it changing... In my opinion, yes, but certain people surrounding the production wanted something different from me. Uh-huh. Um, and I couldn't deliver what they wanted. They wanted old, old Leah sound. They wanted youthful... 28 year old Leah and they Mm -hmm. weren't going to get that because I couldn't deliver that and it was mind games with me that I was playing with myself right and um, so I would say yes I had to embrace my new sort of ability to be one voice and to play with the colors that I have now that are um I've never talked about that. That's so funny that you asked that right now. Um, I mean, I've talked about it privately, but not on a public forum like this. But um, You heard it here first, Music yes, and Waves. Yes, yes. <laughs> here we are, Music and Waves. Um, yeah, so it was really hard for me to negotiate giving them what they wanted and also giving myself the vocal health that I knew I had to give myself. Mm-hmm. Um because through all of the emotional singing and the um, acting, you still have to think about emotion or um, vocal health yeah. throughout the whole thing. Yes, I might go to my concert on Friday and belt my face off, but I'm going to do it in a way that's not going to hurt me. You're going to sing like you have to sing again, not sing like Well, it's... I'm going <laughs> to sing like I have to sing two days later. <laughs> <laughs> Which means I'll be quiet the next day. Uh-huh. And then start talking the day after. <laughs> you know what I mean? So so that that was tricky for me. So I understand completely what what he went through with people second guessing. And and when people meet me, they always think I'm a mezzo because I speak lower than a lot of sopranos mm-hmm. and my temperament is a lot different than, than most sopranos. <laughs> Why are you laughing? <laughs> That's not a. That's not a. That's not saying anything, Michael. <laughs> hey, it's listen. You know, all all fox have their own temperament. It's true. It's true. And in the instrumentalist world too, they all have. When that's, I, ac- that's accurate. When yeah. I got to Music Academy of the West, I was like, "Oh, dude, I think the trombones are my people." <laughs> <laughs> oh, what's up, Ernie? What's up? What's up, little dude? Oh, this Ernie's little dog. Um, if you don't know, Ernie's my. Um, little six pound Maltese who just got a haircut today. He looks, and he's he looks real very cute. nice. Looking good, Ernie. So, what role did you do at Marilla? I was or in, one or of or their wild cards. Okay. And I did the Schwabacher recital. What'd you do there? Or the Schwabacher concert. You're never going to believe what I did there. I did Norina yes. in um, Don Pasquale. And then I also did Manon in um, Manon. Which scene? The Sunset Piece. Yeah. Nice. Is that the... The, the duet, the, the big tenor yeah, duet. Yeah, it's, yes. really, it's really It's great. really hot and amazing. Yeah, it's so And amazing. it was so much fun to sing. And I've sung it a few times since then, actually, the, just the duet. Um, but Norena was so fun. I got to do all of Act 2. Yeah. And... People forget that Norena's still bel canto. Oh, it's still Don yeah. <laughs> And that was my first experience with Coloratura. Yeah. It was learning that yeah so essentially because I didn't go to music school and I just had those few little arias learned from previous voice lessons I um 
was essentially in a crash course of like here learn all of these things what a better place to learn them. i know i was a sponge i soaked it all in it was it was amazing um it was so much fun i had a great time at marilla our class was really really awesome and my best friends are still from that class who so. who's your squad renee tatum mezzo extraordinaire um amanda majeski uh one of my dearest friends um who else David Lomeli, he's um, artistic in Dallas now. He's he calls himself a suit now. <laughs> Still one of the best tenors in the world, though. You've no idea. Um, let's see who else was in that uh, class. Those are my people. Those yeah. are who. That's who I hang with. Joelle Harvey. Oh, she's so awesome. She's amazing. Amazing. Singer. And she's always and she will. She's. I've never heard a flaw come from that girl, ever. ever. Yeah, there's recordings of her on YouTube. I remember finding mm -hmm. recordings of her singing, like, Dave Vianney was but probably the most perfect Dave Vianney yes. there, there ever was. Mm -hmm. And she must have been 20 or 21, something crazy. Mm -hmm. And then, um, yeah, I'm a big fan of her singing. Did you have any people like that, like, who you just, like, found on YouTube and you're just like, oh, my God, you're amazing. I'm super inspired by you. Um, yeah, I think mostly men, Who? to be honest. Um, okay, so there's a Russian tenor whose name is slipping my mind, but I watched his cover, not his cover, his, um, you know, Rodolfo Turanot. Oh, call off that one, <laughs> one of my most sung roles, and I can't remember the fucking tenor's name. Hell's his name? I don't remember, but I watched his Nessendorma fifty-eight times in the <laughs> night. Um, but I I don't I don't know. I'm I yes, Maria Callas. When I yeah, obviously her yeah. work, Covent Garden Tosca is like gold standard. Did you see Callas by Callas? No, or Maria by Callas? Not yet. It's good. It's recommend good. to watch that it's on my own with a box of Kleenex. Yeah, recommend. Thank you. Yeah, very good. I will watch it. So when you Jeez. look for young singers, because I know you do quite a bit of teaching, or mm -hmm. considering your schedule, you do quite a bit of yes. teaching. <laughs> um, what do you What do you look for in a singer that makes you go, "Oh, this person's special"? I look for a connection between the person and their voice. Oh. Um, and you say, oh, like that's a, nice that's a really thing. good way of putting yeah, it. Yeah, it, because I want to see that they know that they're not just singing, but that they know that they're singing. Do yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. That it's... That it's... A awareness of your utility to this piece. Yeah. Yeah. I want... And, and it's, it's a whole presence. It's not just, you know, yeah. open your mouth and sing. I just judged a competition in... Um, Seattle of young singers and there was one girl who um, everybody expected was going to win um, she didn't even get a no first way. second or third place um, because she was so far removed from the moment and from the song that she was singing we decided to give a mezzo who wasn't as Perfect. necessarily clean or maybe she was clean, as clean, just not as showy, I yeah. guess, the second place because um, 
she said something to, to all of us. All three of she us. She made a choice. She made a choice. All three of the judges were so moved by her performance. Yeah. We had to give her second place. It wasn't perfect, but she made us all feel. And this other girl did not make us feel anything but clean your color yeah. up. You know? Yeah. Do you feel like that is innate? Or do you feel like that's something that you can learn? Um, I think it probably starts as, starts innately, but I think you can learn it. I yeah. think... Because I feel like what you're touching on is basically star quality. Yes. Do yes. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, that's what makes someone special, and it makes someone... A gravitas, an X factor. Mm-hmm. Beyond this one, these 10 years, or however, yeah. 20 years that they're singing, that's what makes someone say, three or four generations after you... You'll be remembered. So yeah, I'm still exactly. talking about Lawrence Tedder, for example. Okay. Yeah. I mean, Maria also. Callas is like that's yes, that's yes. where we started with that. Yeah. I mean, she is a gener- She is a talent that will be remembered f- until the end of time. Yeah. Because she had that. She had a deep sense of connection. Yeah. I would say yes, but also in this competition case, the girl who won first place had star quality. We knew she was going to win from the moment she set foot on mm-hmm. the stage. She walked across the stage and took ownership. And we were like, Lester Lynch and I were the judges. <laughs> I love guy. Lester. And he, he wrote, winner. <laughs> on the, that's all. We were taking notes on yeah. everybody. What? And he just showed it to me and I was like, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> but I, of course, wrote a page of, of coaching notes for her because she sings my repertoire. Yeah. And I was like, I can help you, sister. Yeah. But she was the obvious winner. But the girl who got second place, the mezzo, didn't necessarily have the star quality that Marissa, the winner, had. Yeah. But had... It was almost there. Yeah. Do you know? Like, she could get there. Yeah. You so could. that would be an instance where it yes. could be learned. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But she has some sort of innate gift mm-hmm. to connect and to convey, and that can be trained further. It's yeah. so weird to me that like people would get into the, the business of the, being an opera singer. Not the business of opera, but be like, I want to be an opera singer. And they don't like performing. Yeah. I think this actually, I, this is something that we kind of, I, I, I think that opera singers, beyond having fear of dropping your soft palate, I think there is a judgment of the musical theater world. That we have trained our voices, at least this is in conversations that I've had with peers, there, there is a sense that we have spent so much of our lives producing a sound versus the musical theater singer, which the focus is more on connection. Mm-hmm. And it's a completely different world. And we have made the choice as singers to produce and to maximize and to resonate and to support. And that is that cannot coincide with the musical theater world. So there's like a certain superiority. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. And I think that is so far off base. You think so? Yeah, I don't think... No, I think that opera singers are like that. I think a lot of... um, Especially ones that haven't necessarily done a lot of things are like that. Um, But I think... I think the ones that are the most successful are the ones who appreciate right the music for all yeah. of its Yeah, I can't tell you how many times I've, I've watched the Tonys with opera singers and they rip apart 
Tony oh. Award oh, winner. Me too. Me too, girl. Me too. I sit there like shaking my head and just yeah. deeply disturbed that they can't accept that this person's doing something else mm-hmm. and that it doesn't mm-hmm. have to conform to what we do. Well, so here's a, f- a funny thing. When I... I think it comes down to... Okay, let me back up. I think it comes down to being connected to your entire facility yeah. and everything that your voice is capable of. Your voice is capable of singing without exactly. support. Yeah. Your voice is capable of supporting with your face or supporting with this muscle yeah. in your neck. <laughs> you know, you're capable of singing that way. It's a choice and you need to make and and musical theater singer singers are so much more connected emotionally because they're they're telling us the story. They're yeah. telling us through emotion and through... So, okay. There's a song called A Quiet Thing that I sing a lot, and it's and it's from um, Flora the Red Menace. Mm-hmm. And I start it very quietly. It's called A Quiet Thing. Mm-hmm. Wah, wah. And it's very unsupported, and it's almost sung in a whisper, like, with a little bit of vocal fry... You know, God forbid you sing with any color. (laughs) But I think it's, I think as an artist and as a musician and as a singer, it's important to know what your voice can do. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. So play with sound. And especially if you are a person, I I mean, even like when Carolyn and I talk about what singing means to each of us, it's like, especially if you are a certain kind of singer is just going to want to know like, hey, this is how I am how a way that I express myself or it really just depends on like the what you define yourself as as a singer so if you just call yourself opera singer and that's it then I could totally see why somebody wouldn't be willing to expand their mind to see well yeah Mm -hmm. but I can do this like weird vocal fry Sprechstim a thing, or I can do or this I crazy... I can do the art form that America is responsible for. Right. That's or, like, that's the thing that is so, I guess, like, yeah. I don't mean to be so upset about yeah. it, but it's so, like, it can be so frustrating for people to look at the one of the only theater forms that we're responsible for, and that we have so many great stories yeah. in that repertoire, mm-hmm. and to say, I, I'm above that. So here's the funny thing. And it's in our language. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Going right along with that, I represented the United States in the Cardiff Singer of the World competition yes. in 2011. Yeah, that's my most watched video, I think, Elijah. But I also made a, a very uh, controversial choice, and I sang "The Man I Love" in the um, finals of the song prize. Yeah, and I was approached by one of the judges who wanted me to win and was pulling for me and gave me all the highest marks. Yeah. And I was told that one of the judges um, said, specifically knocked me down for using embellishments in the Great American Songbook. Now, if you know the style of the Great American... Now, this woman has recorded this song. Yeah. And many other songs. Yeah. Come scritto. Mm-hmm. Completely as written with no anything yeah. behind it. Right. That's her choice. Her choice. Yeah. But she knocked me down because of it and gave me like one of the lowest scores. 
Isn't that so weird? Why can't... Why don't people just be like, did this artist move me with her interpretation of this song? Mm-hmm. I think yes. it's a sort of militant, like... Uh, Doctrine? How do you say? Yeah, they become very... Uh, there are teachers and coaches like this that a teacher... Like, there are teachers that say the only way to sing is up and in. The right. only way to sing is down and out. <laughs> the only way to sing is this. Yeah, and when they hear someone without that, that doesn't have that view, it threatens them in some way and upsets them in some way because they feel invalidated or so- something. But that must have just... Well, I think probably because she has recorded them all. She was yeah. like, this is the only way an opera singer... Yeah, can do it. In quotation marks. Yeah, exactly. can perform these the songs. The lady... I'm a singer... And also, like, you guys are both just interpreters. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, exactly. you guys, like, one interpreter is not above the other. Exactly. They're both, there are people that say you should ornament Mozart. Yeah. This singer also told me um, one of the reasons I didn't win was because I used too many tricks. What's does that what mean? What is that Now, I don't know what that means. I think it means because I used dynamics and color. Witchcraft! <laughs> I know. <laughs> but... I feel like that sort of anti-artistic attitude is is very was prevalent, but I feel like opera is making a change, and and more, the the genres are merging a little yeah. bit more because they were merged back in the day. You yeah, know, exactly. you get a voice like John Raitt, yeah, singing Kerfile, all the works of Kerfile, right. right. But you, you get him singing Oh What a Beautiful Morning and then in the next album he records he Largo. sings Exactly. You know the story of how um of, of how he got cast as Billy Bigelow? Tell me. You I know, know this story? No. <clears throat> so he was um this is as far as I know it is correct. So he was involved in Oklahoma, he'd taken over for Alfred Drake as Curly. And so Rodgers and Hammerstein were like aware of this guy in their production. And like, well, obviously he's like unignorably amazing. Mm-hmm. This formula for a musical works. Let's, we're going to like put Lilium into a musical and we're going to call it Carousel. We need a badass baritone who we can write whatever for. I think we should write it for this guy. Let's bring him in and, and hear him sing. So I guess they get to the audition a little bit early. John Raitt's already there and he's just crushing Largo. <laughs> and so they're like used to, I mean... I love him, but they're probably used to somebody like um, Jerry Orbach, somebody with his mm-hmm. facility. Good voice, good interpreter, but... Love Jerry Orbach. Right, but not... Yes, Carnival, amazing album, great... Weird show, good music. Um, and they were just like, this man is a, an animal. We can write whatever we want for him. And so then he was Billy Bigelow, and they wrote Soliloquy. And I mean, I kind of think highest judge of all is... The real little, test. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah, I, don't, I don't find it that easy. But, um, it's not easy. Yeah, he's... Yeah. So anyway, that's... They, they used to write like that because of the microphone. Uh, the microphone changed all that. You went from having, you know, the demands were you just have to be able to sing over an orchestra without a microphone. Mm-hmm. Great. And then that's what the instrument was for. So yeah, there's... I think there's another guy like... I think his name is Stephen Douglas. You know, he sang Tarquinius mm-hmm. and Blitch mm-hmm. on Broadway, I guess because there was some overlap there, weirdly, but then also would do things like um, Marcello, etc. Bruce Charnel, another guy who did that. Yeah, yeah. So what operas do you think are now? Do you think it's just the taste is merging closer together, or do you think it's that the operas that are being written are 
merging the two together? Um, well, I think that companies are finally seeing that in order to bring um, a younger generation in, um, I feel, I mean, this is so played out to say this kind of thing, but they're putting on um, musicals because they sell tickets. Yeah. Um, and, and they sell tickets to every demographic. Yeah. Um, I think audience tastes are, um, people still have the view of opera being an elitist art form. Yeah. Somewhat. Um, people still have the view of musical theater being every man's music. Totally. Um, and people want to hear singing like they hear on the radio. Most people have the radio in the and car. That's- what modern musicals sound like. Right. So, um, yeah, I think, I think operas are, operas, opera companies are doing the best they can and trying to bring, bring people in. And, and I think, um, I think tastes are merging, but I also feel like once in my experience, once you get someone into the opera to see an opera, they love Italian opera. Yeah. Or they love yeah. the German because opera, you know? There's yeah. just nothing like a, a, a beautiful vocal line right. and a singer who suits it. Right. And once they find out that it's done unamplified, their mind is blown and they tell all their friends. And yeah, I, exactly. I wish, I wish so much that modern composers would take more of a leaf out of the book of the Italian, like don't copy Puccini, don't copy Verdi, but just write a singable mel- melody though. I need. I, I got It's it's what they say in in Merrily We Roll Along. He's like, I dude, I gotta have a tune. If you don't yeah. have me a tune, it doesn't well, matter. And so, it, and they all come from the text, right? Too. Right. Exactly. The poetry. Like that's why Verdi's all that stuff is so good because yeah. they, and that's Puccini was like, hey, the I saw this, I saw this the- badass play. Can we turn this into an yeah. opera? And the music so much exists to support the, the libretto, which is what makes the drama so great and what makes the music so it's great. It's going all the way back to, and what's it? Co-informed. So I was talking to um, my friend Todd last night on the phone. He is the band leader for the concert I'm doing at the Croswell and Adrian next week. And um, also my best friend. Did we have dinner with Todd? Yeah, you did. Yeah. You, you guys know Todd. Yeah. You've met Todd. Maybe twice. But he... He was at Glimmerglass, too. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. He was watching, I don't know, I forget which one. I think Marnie, maybe. Uh-huh. The He watched Marnie, and he actually really enjoyed it. And he said the, the costumes were amazing, and the acting was, was great. He did not like the music, though. And he said, he said to me, contemporary operas are hard for me. And he's a musical theater person. Yeah. He's a K through 12 music teacher yeah. who is one Michigan teacher of the year. Yeah. This is a man that you want on your side. Yeah, exactly. He would be the perfect client. Perfect person. Like, yeah. yes. <laughs> he, he said, um, most English operas and most contemporary operas are hard for me. I can't listen to them for more than a second because you can't find a tune. He said yeah. those exact words. You know what opera gets it right? Susanna. Susanna. Also Do you want to know what my dream role is? I you saw you post ask. that on the on the, the Shepherd School thing. Yes. That's your dream role? Yeah. You know what my first opera role was? What? Blitch. 
Oh man! <laughs> Snap! I you are so young to play Blitz. Hey, I didn't. You know what? It didn't. Actually, crush, now you're not. You could do it now. It, it didn't crush my folds. You know, that's the other thing. I, yeah. I think it's so funny. People are like you're gonna hurt yourself if you sing that. It's like doing no. it once you won't hurt yourself. No, I'm, now if you did it a hundred times, yes. But yeah, or if you just sort of sing it with your voice and you're like, yeah, yeah. Well, so maybe you know, it's it's the perfect opera and it it's is. the perfect American opera. It's incredible. You would crush Susanna. Thank yeah. you. I love that role, and I want to sing it before I get my first wrinkle. So, be, while well, I can yeah. still be believable. I think you've you've got a lot of time. Yeah, so. you've got some time. <laughs> uh, moisturizer, people. No. <laughs> Sunscreen moisturizer. Yeah. So, what are your other soprano dream roles that you haven't done yet? Um, oh boy, I'd love to sing Tatiana mm. in Onyegin, but you know. I, I'm unfortunately, I'm an, not unfortunately, I'm blessed and I'm grateful that, because all my favorite, favorite music I get to sing, to right. be honest. Um, I get to sing the greatest yeah. heroines, you know, the Suicide Sopranos. Yeah. <laughs> so. What fuck are you on Suicide Sopranos? Suicide Soprano. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so funny. But um, Susanna, Onyegin, Tatiana and Onyegin. Um... I would have loved to have done a Lucia, yeah. but I, but I feel like I can't do that right now anymore. I mean, I could probably sing it, but it would be like. Wow, that's a, that that Lucia doesn't sound like she's near death. Right. <laughs> <laughs> she sounds strong. Yeah, exactly. Um, let's see. I'm dying to do Forza, which yeah. is coming. Yes. Which will be good. Um. But I don't know. What else? I don't know. I don't know. That's about it. I get to do all my other favorite ones. Yeah. Speaking of sounding strong. Yeah. Does the world know that you're super strong? I mean, I don't know. You know I'm super strong. That you were like, we were like trying to figure out like what weights you should be lifting and you were just like, I don't know, like 185 is like easy and fast. (laughs) So what, what for you, for you as like, as, as a vocal athlete and as a person who like recreationally is like into fitness yeah what do you think is there how does fitness inform you on stage and as a singer okay so every opera production is done on a rake now oh and most of the time i'm in heels of some sort which means my calves must be strong my core must be strong my arms must be strong my butt must be strong my legs must be strong to carry my large frame and large dress in a corset up a rake that sometimes you know, at a, I don't know, um, geometry is not my thing, (laughs) but steep, up a steep rake. Yeah. You know, so I think being strong is so important. You have, your, first of all, your core supports you. So if you don't have a strong core, you can't be a strong singer. You can't be a strong human, in my opinion. Yeah. You know, so, um, I've always been athletic. I'm not, I'm not small by any means, but I'm capable and I'm strong. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I actually really love lifting weights. Cause it's, cause it's tons of fun. fun. But I fucking hate cardio. You know what? <laughs> That's okay. Car- you can, you can do I cardio you in, any, me, in any form. <laughs> you can take up, taking a walk is cardio. I think I would love to, if, if there's some legacy I leave on the earth, it would be to save 
to save people from thinking that they needed to do hours on the elliptical to get in shape. Oh. Because it's boring okay, and it's no. ineffective. I it's... think my mission would be to save people from thinking that you have to go to the gym to lose weight. Oh. Yeah. Which is something like, this is something that I have sort of, I've been coming to grips with in the last couple years, that the purpose of exercise is, the main purpose of exercise should be mental. Yeah, absolutely. It should be to relieve any stress or to work whatever out you mm -hmm. need to work out in your mind. Um, any sort of physical outlet I think is good for us. I think humans were kind of built to move. We're clearly absolutely. built to move. Yeah. Well, we have to. I mean, I was sitting with a friend the other night, actually right on this couch, and she stood up and she's like, man, I'm stiff from, from sitting. Yeah. And it's so funny because your muscles do get tired, and if you if you don't, if you don't do some kind of activity during the day, you, that's why people wake up stiff in the morning. Yeah. Because there's nothing to sort of, you know, your body repairing itself after lifting. Yeah. Yes, it makes you muscularly sore, but it also um, makes sure your bones work better. Yeah, exactly. The, uh, the tendons and the muscles around it, yeah. the, the stiffness is not from working your muscles it's from your bones not yeah exactly lifting actually makes your bones denser yes yeah. which especially yeah, for no, females thank you i couldn't think of yeah. that i got right you i got now. you yeah which yeah. is like especially for women like bone density is like really a major mm -hmm. thing to yeah. consider especially as you get older but yeah. also like just it it feels good to be strong yeah it doesn't matter what you do right and it also feels good to know that you can i mean there are so many at least for me I, I love seeing like yeah I, I am this much stronger than I was last week mm -hmm. and also seeing like over time being like wow my body has changed in this way and I I made that happen right what's was, the craziest thing you've had to do on stage oh, yeah. physically um oh. let's see I think singing flat on my back in a corset yeah. while being raised up from the um, underneath the stage yeah. on a hydraulic was pretty... That's, that's pretty intense. That's metal. Yeah. But, uh... it was, I was supposed to be in a coffin. Sing, it was a production in, in Frankfurt of Otello and I was singing the... Um, oh, it was Act 2, I think, where there's Daminus in the garden... Um, supposed to be in a garden with yeah. children and everyone's yeah. presenting things to her but the, in this production it was a vision of her death and you yeah. know German Germans yeah. <laughs> wow yeah that's can you pause it I have to go to the bathroom yeah thanks I'm sorry I can't hold it anymore you want to get up no okay no no you guys are doing great leading me um, also, when it's going backwards. Oh yeah, it's creepy. It's like the uh, I buried Paul. <laughs> Man, when I found out about that, you know what I'm talking about. What is that from? Um, so at the end of, at the end of. Is it a Beatles record? Yeah, at the yeah. end of one of the Beatles tracks. I can't remember which one. I think it's Strawberry Fields Forever. If you listen like really close, then there's this little thing that goes. I buried Paul because there was like that theory that uh, Paul McCartney was dead right. and had been cloned. <laughs> what? Yeah, and so if you listen on this on this Beatles record, there's like the the Beatles would like play tricks basically on listeners or like 
prop up these conspiracy theories with these weird things. Or then that's there's, so funny. Or then there's another one that's this is maybe where conspiracy theory Mike was born. I'm a huge conspiracy theorist. <laughs> um, if there's one that's like on you and my mother <laughs> on one of the one of the Led Zeppelin albums. It's like if you play like the beginning of one of them back, then it says like it's supposed to be like some pagan or like satanic thing. I have heard that too, actually, but. That's a really weird thing. Okay, so I have a, just another question. Yeah. That's unrelated to singing, but kind of related to singing. Where did you get your sense of style? Because you, you are so stylish, and I want to say fashionable, but I'm not even sure. It's stylish. It's not mm-hmm. even really fashionable because you have just such a very strong sense of style. Like, it's very... You have a very... I don't know how to say it. It's just you have a really strong style. Thanks, You girl. always look awesome. And Thank you. Yeah, where did you get that? I can tell you exactly where I got it. So, growing up, I've always been a plus-size woman since seventh grade. I've always been bigger than, than my classmates, um, me and a few others. But when I was growing up, there was no fashion for anyone over a size 12. Yeah. And that was really hard for me because I always would save my money and I would buy all the fashion magazines. Yeah. I would, you know, cause I, so I always knew what the style was and I'd always do my hair. Like I had the, in third grade, I had the bangs that oh, went yeah. back and, and down. Forward. <laughs> so like a, like a nest, you know, like the yeah. bird's nest on your forehead because that was cool. So I always had the hair that was in style. I always knew what the style was. But I couldn't always find the clothes in my size. So I would always have to, um, I usually dug things out of my mom's closet yeah. and my own closet and would put them together and try to make something that looked sort of fashionable. So now, um, I just know what looks good on my body yeah. and what, I'm not afraid to show my curves. And I yeah. think a lot of plus size women are afraid to wear form fitting clothes. I'm not. Spanx work wonders. Any, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, well, you don't. You don't need Spanx. But <laughs> people wear. I still I'm wear Spanx. Spanx. I know you do. I'm so kidding. I'm so kidding. I know. Even Cameron Diaz wears yeah. Spanx. Um, anyway. Didn't the founder go to your school? Spanx? Yeah. I don't know. Billionaire girl? Oh. Anyway. I, so I, I find what... Uh, I just wear what I like yeah. also. I love wearing things that fabric that feels good. I love to buy high-end fabrics that aren't, don't feel like polyester on my skin. Yeah. Because there's nothing more comfortable than wearing cashmere or... Yeah. <laughs> you know. so uh, true. Laura Piano, <laughs> if, you, if you're listening, this is Leah Cuchetta. <laughs> That's wearing cashmere or nice cotton or... Yeah. Jersey. Yeah. God, Jersey's so nice. Yeah. You can move in it. You can breathe in it. But I also, um, I think the need for fashion for my figure is what spurned my, my sense of style. Yeah. Um, and not being afraid to try things also. So what would you wear in the auditions? What did you wear into your Merrill audition? Oh, Lord. So let's see. Oh, no. What did I wear from a Merrill audition? Probably a black dress. It, it my, now, my style didn't start off. Like, when I first entered the world of opera, yeah. I was being told to dress like a schoolmarm. See, but you have a headshot because I worked at Marilaw 
right after you had grad. I was an intern for Marilla oh. right after you had left the Adler oh, program. So I did you, not know this. You were doing a recital or something. There was a promo shot of mm-hmm. you. It must have been either right after you graduated or your second mm-hmm. summer or something. And you were wearing this fabulous red gown that was like, it was a promo shot of you in a red gown that, you looked very stylish. Thanks. So I would imagine that you were probably, at least in my mind, you yes. were stylish. Okay, thank you, thank you. Yes, no, I was. I was in a, in a way, but I was also, I would have to adapt my style to fit what people wanted you're, to see. You're yeah. doing somebody else's style for you. Right. Like. But I, yes, I love wearing red. It's yeah. one of my favorite Power colors, colors to wear. Yes, love it. <laughs> um, I have another gown that, I had made for me from Christopher Verdoshi in San Francisco, um, <laughs> who, which is also floating around there because yeah. I just love, I love shades of red, Yeah, you know? And I think a lot of, a lot of people are afraid of color too. Now, yeah. now don't get me wrong. Most of my closet is black. Yeah. You, you've seen my closet, you know, <laughs> most of it's black or denim, um, or, um, neutral tones. Yeah. But I love color and I love playing with, with different, you know, patterns even. I think a lot of plus size women are afraid of patterns. Afraid to stand out. And yes, they want to hide. You know, I'm not like that. I'm like, sometimes I am, sometimes I want to be hidden, but most of the time I'm like, let me wear what I feel good in, what I can express myself best in and what is going to make me look the best. Yeah. So totally. Is that something that you got from your family or is that just, um, well, yeah, I think so. My mom, um, was, wasn't super into makeup, but she was into makeup at the same time, Yeah. which, which really, um, it's kind of where I am too. Now, granted, I do have a whole Sephora in my bathroom, Yes. you know, Yeah. but you have a whole Sephora and like a whole, I guess Sephora sells hair stuff too. So yeah, yeah just an entire yeah. Sephora. <laughs> I just have things that I that I can use, you know. Yeah. But I did make a rule this year. I'm like, you have to use up all the things that you have before, before you, buy, you more. buy new ones. <laughs> and so far, I've done it. That's we're, we're on what the six week mark of 2019, and Good. I've done that so far. So, um, yeah, Renee Tatum and I ma- actually made a pact. We're using no up new all, shit, no new shit, no new clothes. We're using our wardrobe that we have nice. and making, seeing what we can do with it. So, um, and so far so good, but, um, yeah. So my mom was, she was a, um, kind of into Mary Kay a little bit. Mm-hmm. Good old Mary Kay cosmetics. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure your mother was too. No, no, she, she wasn't. And I'm kind of surprised by that, yeah, I am but too. you know what? I support Mary Kay is a great, business and uh-huh. I'm never gonna knock my mom didn't off. sell it but she bought it yeah and I used to go into her little compacts and used to dig them out and like yeah slather <laughs> my face <laughs> with lipstick and eyeshadow and this was at like five years old or something but then growing up her you know she still wore a little bit of makeup and I would go steal it and I'd yeah. wear it to school um, but my I would say my style is me enhanced yeah do you know I totally I play with my features I I I have been known to do a big old dark statement I'm I yeah. look but yeah. I'm not but only once in a while like that's not my go-to everyday yeah. style fresh face totally I think that's so much a part of the fun of like becoming who you are and yeah. like maturing is being like 
you know, this is my style. Yeah. And like, I remember I used to try to, when Caroline and I met, like, I would just try to make, the goal of me wearing a tie was just to outdo the talking heads on Sports Center. <laughs> I would try to have the widest, fat, fuck a double winter. I'd try to try, like, a triple. <laughs> That's amazing. And I just, and I look back and I was like, what is this disaster? Or, like, my thoughts on, Caroline's been really good for me about this. She's, like, my thoughts on just, like, what is acceptable jeans, t-shirts, this. Yeah. Because I'll have an image in my head, yeah. and then when I put it together myself, I think I'm doing it one way, and it's like, no, you, you look schlubby. We all have those images yeah. in our head. We all, like, I see Ashley Graham as one of my icons that I look totally. at for style, because I am, like, a couple sizes bigger than her, but we have this pretty much the same shape. Yeah. So I look at her, and I'm like, what she's wearing will look good on me, so that's kind of what I what I buy. Um, she's one of my one of my people, but I the image of her in my brain isn't always going to be what's best for me. So you have to go back to what your personal right. style and what makes you feel good. So yeah, that's that. That's a great question. Yeah. I love, I can talk about makeup and fashion and hair and everything else and uh, all day long. Yeah. And also I think what, if you do your hair, the rest will fall into place. That's so true. That is so true. That's a very accurate yeah. statement. Yeah. So what is your go-to hair? Um, what I'm wearing right now? No. I, <laughs> <laughs> no, my hair is um, air-dried right now. But no, my go-to is Easy Waves. Yeah. I, I like a natural sort of not too done up yeah. look. I like straight ends. Yeah. Beachy waves, totally. With some dry shampoo up in there, yeah. Scrunch the shit volume. out of it. Yeah. Give it some volume. <laughs> Give it some texture. Yeah. And sometimes I do my hair the night before, and the curls are tighter, and then I wake up the next morning and I just do brush, like, it, brush it out a little bit, and it's yeah. exactly what I want it to be for like the next two days. Yeah. So, dry shampoo is our best friend, ladies. It is. Uh, it where is. can people find your sister? cut hair if they want to oh uh, actually she's she has changed her she out of the game i have one sister who owns a salon in grand rapids michigan so and it's called um auto and grand and it's one of the best salons in michigan if not the best it is i think it is the best yeah i think so too um but she my sister kat just man she and her husband and their business par- partner built that thing from the ground up, and I'm so proud of them. They're so successful. Um, so you can go there. Um, my other sister, Jessica, was in the um, fashion world in New York and um, in the hair and makeup side. Right. Now all my siblings are stylish as well. Everybody, yeah. we kind of all have the same style, but our own variation on yeah. it. And it's all easy breezy, just like yeah. what feels good, what looks good, yeah. that's what we wear. If it doesn't feel good, I'm not going to wear it. Yeah. You know, now spanks don't always feel good, let me yeah. tell you. But... They make the whole thing they work. They do. Yeah. They do. <laughs> but Jessica um, has been in Harper's Bazaar and in Vogue yeah. and all yeah. these other magazines, but she got burnt out in the industry because it's, you know, cutthroat like ours, yeah. like the opera world somewhat. And... Um, so now she works in interior design, and she's loving life, and That's she's awesome. doing great in that field as well. So That's awesome. Yeah. So what do you have coming up next? I know you have two yeah. concerts. So I'm doing a concert in New York for Lachlan Glenn and Ben Bliss's... Um, oh, yeah. Mess is Mess, the, it's yeah. like the 
the startup, the opera startup it's company. A, it's incredible. And yeah. their vision for what, what yes. it's gonna is, be is really needed in opera is crazy. I was one of their first members. Oh, really? I, yeah. I was one of their guinea pig members. So I've been a member for two years now. That's awesome. I've never been to a performance because I haven't been able to. Yeah. So um, Lachlan and I, Lachlan is one of my go-to coaches in New York. He has played all of my sessions with, with Matthew and... Um, has taught me many a role, yeah. and um, I just love the guy. And uh, so he played for me. I sang in Michael Fabiano's wedding at the Met this year, and mm-hmm. he played um, a song by Dinah Washington called I Only Know. And we we did the arrangement together. We didn't have music or anything. And um, he was just like, can we do a concert like this? together and I said yeah. yes and then he's like can we do it for mess <laughs> and I was like sure yeah so we are doing a concert on Saturday or sun- Sunday Sunday this Sunday the 10th that is in a warehouse on 46th street and it's the most eclectic program you could yeah. ever imagine I mean there might be Pink Floyd there might be Adele, Adele. What, wait what, mean, what Pink Floyd I can't tell you yeah um, well, it's. I'm not sure yet if we're gonna do. Well, we're gonna have to see how rehearsal goes on Saturday first. <laughs> there might be Casa Diva. There might be. There might be all the things. Well, he wants. I don't know how that's gonna fit. Actually, we need to figure that out. But um, there might be Adele. There might be Sarah Bareilles. There nice. might be Tosca. There might be Celine Dion. You never know. Yeah. But it's fucking crazy. Yeah. And do you talk in between the songs? Like, are you going to tie a little cabaret show together? Yes. Nice. My background's in. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. I will will always set it up. Yeah. And then my next concert is on the 16th. And it's called, so pretentious, Leah Crocetto sings the great, the great female legends of Broadway. That's actually, it's not that pretentious. It's not that pretentious. Karen, what's the most pretentious uh, I can't say. I can't say. Cut it out. <laughs> you can tell me after. Yeah, after. yeah it's the most. Pretentious. I'll tell you after. I'll tell you after. I'll tell you after. Yeah. No, but this, I'm really excited about it. It's a. I grew up singing on this stage. It's where I, when I was 16, it's where I first sang. You know, in in front of yeah. more than my church people, and so it, it's going to be really fun for me to go back and sort of give back to that community and. And be on that stage again, you know? I saw my first opera in that theater. And I sang in my first opera in that theater. And I sang in my first musical in that theater. That's like your home turf. Yeah. For sure. So I'm doing um, lots of Barbara Streisand because to me, Barbara Streisand is the... um, Barbara Streisand, not Sand, is the most iconic Broadway performer there ever will be. Yeah. Female. Um, we're doing a lot. I might be doing some male songs on the list too because we're emphasizing all legends of Broadway, female, so that can be composers and yeah. lyricists as well. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna be doing, um, you know, some Candor and Ebb, some Julie Stein, some Android Weber, just one, <laughs> and then. All, a bunch of contemporary stuff too, you know. We've got Sarah Bareilles, who's one of my most favorite composers, yeah, and, or singers. How cool and is composers, that? And composers, and she's 
got a Broadway show. Yeah. So cool. So I'm going to sing a song from her Broadway show. Yeah. Um, and I have some of my good friends. And one, a girl who's singing with me was one of my first voice students. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, and she's amazing. And she's, we're going to sing um, I Still Believe from Miss Saigon together. Yes! Yeah, <laughs> so that will be fun. And then uh, I'm saying, I don't know, Bosom Buddies, because it doesn't get more iconic than Lucille Ball and B, B. Arthur. Yeah. So we're going to do Bosom Buddies from Mame. Me and my other friend Stephanie, and so it's going to be an all-female show, and the oh, band—the cool. band is all men, but the the show Singers, is all female. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, that's right, the band is all men. Yeah, backing us women up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, so I'm super excited, and it's my family. Some of my family will be there, and you know, friends and. Do you have any Janine Tesori on that concert? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm doing a couple songs from Violet. Cool. Yeah, I love her. She's really good. And she writes octopus. I know. How cool is that? She writes emotion. Yeah. Full circle. That's what she writes about. She writes about the human experience. And you can't help but sing the human experience right. without that's feeling. Why, that's what I have always... That was like... That's to me is what I define for myself as what's so heartbreaking and, and just amazing about... Sondheim is like yes. nothing nothing illuminates the human experience like Stephen Sondheim. Nothing. He also had the best text that has ever oh, been written. Sure. Like, <laughs> well, oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, as a lyricist, too, he yeah. was phenomenal. Yeah. Not just his compositions. Yeah, exactly. West Side Story. Hello. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So he's great in a number of ways. Yes, he is the best in a number but, of ways. But yeah. what, he do, what he does to me that's so special is like when he is in charge of, of everything, the shows that are his composer and lyricist yeah. for, uh-huh. it's just that's what's so hard to put your finger on. But when you, and I think it was Sunday in the Park that really made me feel that way, or maybe it was Company, but I was just like, it's just why is it hitting me so deeply? What is it? And I'm like, oh, it's, it's me seeing my experience as a human and as a person yeah. reflected back at me on, on the uh-huh. stage. And he said that the person that he credits the person, he credits Oscar Hammerstein with teaching him how to write real human emotion yeah. and in the context of simplicity in that context of less is more, which is yeah. like such a awesome... Into the Woods is yeah. my dad who was not, who became a a fan of musical theater because his girls you know here's this macho Italian guy with four daughters yeah god this could have so, been my life yeah <laughs> yeah so we made him like musical theater and he was so affected I've done Into the Woods twice once I was the witch and once I was um, the baker's, baker's wife. wife he was so affected by the song Children Will Listen yeah because it's like truth by example. Yeah, it's, it's absolute truth. Yeah. Do you know who is a is a sort of fuckless singer and just consummate actor and user and just storyteller? Mm-mm. Mandy Patinkin. I would agree. Yeah, I love his, him. His a lot of people don't in this industry, but I he is. Hey, just hey, you know what? That's right. He's laughing all the way to the bank. You're yeah. mad. You're mad because your voice isn't as flexible. Uh-huh. Because you can't communicate as honestly and as vulnerably yeah. 
with as much vulnerability as Mandy Patinkin does. But the performance of his that affected me the absolute most was when he and Bernadette Peters sang Move On. At the concert? Yep. Oh my god. Sobbing, <laughs> sobbing mess. I do like that he has uh-huh. a little bit of a baritone a baritone claw in there when he's like, Move on! I was yeah. like, I see you. Yeah, yeah. Well, one of his, one of his dearest friends is Nathan Gunn. So. I know, they have that show. Yeah. So... <laughs> I got the story of how that came to be from from him a little bit last year. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's a cool guy. And the other most moving performance was also a, Son- a Sondheim song, and it was Bernadette Peters <clears throat> singing Not a Day Goes By. Yeah. Right, they, like a year after she lost her husband. And I, I'm like, talk about yeah art imitating life and using your emotion to, to communicate a song. Yeah. Do you know who also, I, I don't know if I've seen Bernadette's interpretation of that. I write, uh, I did a master class with hers a long time ago, uh, and me and the other little apprentices at this company watched Marin Maisie sing that piece. God rest her. Yeah. And, yeah. And then, and I remember, I just was like very captivated by that piece, and then in this little master class, which was like, mm-hmm. and there was like four apprentices and two other, it was like five people. And she was like, she was talking about the power of, of stillness as a performer. And then I was like, oh, she exemplified that yeah. in, in this, like, she doesn't move. And it's just like, why is it this heartbreaking performance? And it's just breathing and that's it. Breathing, singing, reacting. Yeah. Because she, because exactly. what, what did you say? It was that, you know, you want to see that you, your person and your voice are, are connected. connected. Yeah. She exemplified that. I agree. Maren Maisie was one of my Jesus. musical heroes. I'm doing a whole... Like three oh, or four and songs Mich- and in my concert a, in Michigan. A big Michigan connection. Yeah, she right. went to Western Michigan, yeah. where my sister also went. But I'm doing a whole set dedicated to her because I also played Mother in Ragtime, oh. and and um, I, oh God, I worshipped her from the yeah. time I was, you know, I don't know, eighteen till like yeah. forever. So, yeah, she's she was also on a, a flight of mine once. <laughs> Did you... Did you introduce yourself? No, I was so chicken. I... <laughs> she and her husband. It was a flight back from Paris or London. I can't remember, but they were on it. It was very funny. I was like, oh my God. Oh, that's very amazing without makeup. <laughs> and she's still so beautiful. <laughs> she's amazing, gorgeous, flawless woman. Oh. So what opera do you have coming up? Um, mine, well, Kennedy Center just announced. Actually, the rest of my season is all concert. So I'm doing my first Mahler, Mahler 8 nice. in L.A. and in Ravinia. And I'm doing um, Verdi Requiem in Melbourne, Australia. So I have concert, 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 which is fantastic. Yeah. And I have, a, I have like a month off in the summer, which I'm so happy about. But then my next role is um, was just announced, the only one I can say, is Desdemona on Otello. And again with Russell. Again with Russell, yeah. yes. And I've done Desdemona loads of times. Yeah. It's my most, well, it was my most performed role. Now Leonora is in Trovatore. But um, Desdemona I've never done in the States. So this will be the debut of my States Desdemona in, Who's, States, in the States. Who's Yaga? George Gagnitza, legendary Georgian baritone. Yeah. He played... Um, not Rodimus. He played uh, uh, Amonazro with me in San Francisco and Aida. 
Oh, oh must have seen him. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, what is Fran- is Francesca directing that? Who's directing? No, it's a, it's the actually the production I originated in London. It's David Alden. Cool. That's awesome. Who I love, and I'm so excited to work with him again. Okay, so that's the only opera that you can announce. Yeah. Okay. But there are other things. I'm doing another Tosca. I'm doing another. Um, my first staged Norma is coming up as yes. well. So that's awesome. Yes. Yay. Yes. 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 So I'm where, very excited. Where can people find you at? Who are listening? Um, you can find me on. I'm pretty active on Instagram. If you like to see dog pics, go on there. <laughs> um, and Ernie's super and Ernie's cute. smiling right <laughs> now. Yeah, he, he was is. smiling. Sorry. And sometimes <laughs> I do like makeup looks on there and hair looks yeah. on there, and but mostly it's job stuff. Um, also, leoquichetto.com. My website has just been revamped, and I've gotten so many compliments on it from people in the industry. That's awesome. Lenny's Studio, people. Yeah, Lenny's Studio does not play around. They don't play around, and my website is flawless. I am so proud of it, and they are so proud of it, and I'm so grateful that they kicked ass on it for me. But people, like, for the first time, people in the industry, like presenters, have been yeah. like, oh, I was looking you up on your website. Who made your website? It's amazing. That's awesome. So, shout out Lenny, and then um, um, you can find me on Twitter. Although Twitter is usually just regurgitated Instagram and Facebook. Yeah. yeah. So um, yeah, and I think there are some videos of me on YouTube. I don't. I don't. I have never posted of myself on YouTube, but I'm sure there are things there. Just don't read the comments. <laughs> Oh, the comments. Yeah, go section. check out the Cardiff performances. You sang Arnani, and which was incredible. Are you going to be singing that in the future? I mean, if it ever gets done. Yeah, yeah. The soprano is not a walk in the park. No, the soprano role is very difficult in that. I would love to sing Arnani. And the plot yeah. is so convoluted. Oh. <laughs> That's one of the hideous stories. Yeah. Anyway, um, well. This is Leah and Ernie Crocetto. <laughs> you've been awesome. Ernie, you've been a very good boy. This good job. This so fun. Thanks for having me. Hell yeah. Is that a wrap?